The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by CellMaxBatteries.com. As always, CellMax Batteries offers a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-outline lithium and button cell batteries. CellMax Batteries compares with quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, CellMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, game controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, CellMax Batteries has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries ideal for your television remotes for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline ideal for gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. You can order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's BOSTON all uppercase at checkout and save 20% off your entire order. That's coupon code BOSTON at checkout and save big today. CellMaxBatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. There is a lot going on in the NBA right now, a whole hell of a lot. I have a feeling the next few podcasts are going to be about the NBA, and who better to start it with than Guy Boston Sports, Celtics, and NBA writer, and a great follow on Twitter, Max Lissette. Max, thanks for coming back to the show. Thanks for having me back on. Uh... It's a crazy time, and I have a feeling that even while we're on this podcast, something could happen with how crazy things have been. Yeah, I know you You told me before the podcast, yeah, we'll just Twitter out, so as if anything happens, we will let you know on the podcast, <laughs> but we are going to talk about some stuff, Kyrie Irving, Anthony Davis, we'll get into all that good stuff. The NBA draft is going to be Thursday, so we want to touch on that a little bit as well. Um, so yeah, as I said, a lot going on in the NBA, a lot going on with the Celtics. Let's start with the Kyrie Irving stuff, because... There was a new report today from Adam Hibblesbach with Boston Globe that members of the Celtics organization are saying Kyrie Irving has been ghosting them, uh, which is a fun term to use, and they've had little, if any, conversation or communication with Irving recently. So that runs kind of directly counter to the report from yesterday from Shams that said Irving and the Celtics had a meeting planned later this week to discuss the future. So, you know, if you're ghosting someone, then you're generally not going to schedule a meeting with them. You know, that's not what ghosting is. So these reports kind of seemingly run counter to each other, makes everything all the more confusing. So uh, what do you make of these? Why are we getting these conflicting reports? And what does it mean for as far as Kyrie Irving goes? Oh, man, I can't wait for July 1st when all this stuff is over. Just the the back and forth conflicting reports and stuff. Remember, June 30th this year, not July 1st anymore, right? June 30th, 6 p.m. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I forgot about that. You know, six hours earlier, I'll take whatever I can get. When it comes to Kyrie, I mean, we saw what he did in Cleveland with his teammates during the playoffs. There were reports that he didn't talk to them for weeks at a time. Uh, when he went on first take and talked to, you know, Stephen A. and Max Kellerman right after getting traded to Boston, uh, you know, he said he hadn't spoken to LeBron in weeks. So, uh, Kyrie and ghosting seem to be pretty uh, commonplace, you know, to, they, they seem to go well together. And so it wouldn't surprise me at all if he hasn't been talking to the Celtics, you know. Uh, it really has changed how I've kind of viewed him. I don't want to make any definitive, you know, opinions based on this uh, speculative reporting, but it's really changed how I've uh, viewed him because, you know, anybody who's followed me knows that I've been on the Kyrie train for a couple months now, really defending him hard. But if he's doing this to, you know, an organization that's as classy as the Celtics and as professional as the Celtics, then, you know, it's really sad to see. You know, I saw this point made today on Twitter, and it wasn't necessarily a bad one, is that someone said, I'd rather have what Kyrie is doing to the Celtics than what Hayward did to the Jazz, which is to say, at least the Celtics 
kind of know what's happening with the Jazz. You know, they they ended up you know trading for Rubio because they thought that that was what Hayward wanted, and they made all these moves and they were you know positioning themselves to chase Hayward. At least the Celtics can position themselves for after you know Kyrie. If they thought Kyrie there was a chance he was coming back, would they have made the Anthony Davis trade? You know, that's that's a question that's up in the air, and I think that's you know a valid point. If I had to kind of guess what these, you know, conflicting reports mean, I guess I would assume that maybe the Celtics are just throwing it out there for further damage control that, hey, we're meeting with Kyrie, we're having this meeting, we're discussing his future, we're figuring it out. Maybe that was just a false report that they just threw out there because they, they didn't want to seem as chaotic and, you know, everything going on with them as things seem. And then, you know, maybe the, the Himmelsbach report is more true that, hey, we have no communication with the guy, whatever. Either way, one of these is wrong. And I, I don't know, you know, NBA free agency is a confusing time. So one of these guys is going to be proven wrong. And it's just, it is weird. But I mean, you know, these reports kind of just echo to me who Kyrie Irving is. You know, he's a confusing person and he's hard to figure out. And that's exactly what these reports are. So, you know, we're, we're going to get, I, I have a feeling we're going to get these kinds of reports that are, you know, really all over the place for probably another month because, you know, once he signs with the Nets or wherever he signs, we're going to get an even bigger flood of reports about this process and last season and what have you. So, I mean, just a week or two ago, uh, I think the case still could have been made that, you know, Kyrie's an on duck and nobody knows what's going on. And, you know, he could change his mind at any minute because that's just who he is. And, you know, in the last few days to a week, uh, all of that has really gone out the window with him signing with Rock Nation and the Nets clearing cap space and him hanging out with Nets players and all these reports in the media about him, you know, ghosting the Celtics. And, you know, day by day, see, it's, Kyrie just seems to drift further and further from Boston. And that leaves us where we are now, which is pretty certain that Kyrie is headed to Brooklyn. So how have you processed and evaluated everything that's happened in the last week? I mean, it was really wild. The one night, uh, you know, all the talk about AD getting moved started to kind of reach a fever pitch. And I was over in Europe, so I was six hours ahead, staying up until, you know, 2, 3 a.m., uh, following all the news, trying to make sure I didn't miss anything. Uh, at one point, you told me to go to bed, which was probably a, a very good uh, piece of advice. But uh, at one point, you know, during that night, it really seemed like the Celtics were about to land Anthony Davis and that, you know, there was still the possibility to pair him with Kyrie. And then in the span of like a couple hours, uh, Kyrie signed with his new with Rock Nation, changed agencies, you know, and all this stuff happened that kind of uh, made it seem a lot less likely that he was coming back. And then when the Steve Bullpet report came out, you know, that's usually a, a pretty firm source in Celtics Nation for, you know, you know, there's a lot of uh, BS reports that get thrown out there. But when Bullpet speaks, you know, a lot of us tend to listen and take that as pretty good as gold when it comes to, uh, you know, what's true and what's not you know, we're going to be entering the Tatum era and that it's going to be the youth movement. And, you know, for a guy like me who's defended Kyrie all year, it was hard to to come to that conclusion and to finally accept it. But I had to do so. Yeah. I, so if Kyrie is gone, which I, I guess we're just uh, totally assuming he is, what do you think the plan should be a point guard? That's a good question. And, uh, you know, I want to start by saying I've, I've ripped Terry Rozier all year. I think a lot of us have, especially after his ESPN tour. And it sucks to have to say it, but I think that he's going to end up back in green next year at this point, just because uh, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, the talks that, you know, other teams might pay him big money. Other teams might pay him, uh, might give him an offer sheet that the Celtics can't match. But at the same time, you know, we're all sitting here ripping his abilities. And 
it seems kind of disingenuous to say that he's a terrible player and then on the other hand go and say that some team is going to offer him big money and just assume that somebody's going to be stupid enough to do that. So, I mean, I think that, you know, as long as uh, the Celtics can keep him around for somewhere around 10 to 12 million or less, I think that they're going to have to end up doing that. And, you know, as far as other options like uh, Ricky Rubio and other guys I've seen thrown out there go, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to bring somebody like that in when Marcus Smart would probably be the uh, likely starter. And it, it doesn't really make sense, I think, at this point to move Smart back to the bench. You know, I think you kind of have to roll with him as the, the starting guy and then kind of sure up your point guard depth after him. But it wouldn't make much sense to me, you know, to bring in a guy like Ricky Rubio because, you know, he, I don't think he would want to be the backup. You know, he's still a starting level point guard in this league. And so at this point, you know, I think it might end up being smart and uh, Rozier, which is something I never thought I would be saying a couple months ago, but it looks like that might be where we're heading. So you think Rozier would be willing to come back or the Celtics should force him to come back as the bench player again? That is a good question. You know, I, I guess in that scenario, maybe Smart does move back to like a six-man role. It's all very, you know, confusing to try and figure out because, you know, it doesn't feel right to move Marcus back to the bench. We know Terry wasn't happy there. And then, you know, all of the options that people have been bringing up as uh, potential replacements for Kyrie, you know, all of them would uh, come in and deserve a starting role. And I just don't know. At this point, it feels like Marcus Smart should be the starter. But there's just so much up in there. It's so hard to say. So I stand by everything I said about Rozier. I am done with Rozier still. I don't really care what happens to him at this point. I mean, I do think there might, you know, maybe Phoenix still chases him a little bit. I don't think he's going to get that big of a contract, though. I think what you said, ten around $10 million might make sense. But, I mean, remember, $12 million is what Marcus Smart makes. I don't think Rozier is as impactful as Marcus Smart on the basketball court. So I don't think he's worth that. Uh, you know, if it was 100% up to me... I think it should be Marcus Smart. You know, he's a good playmaker. He won't demand shots. It's a great defensive lineup with him at the point. I mean, that is a that is a menacing defensive lineup if, hit, if it's him and Jalen in the backcourt. So that's what I'd want. Now, they've tried to make Marcus a shooting guard in recent years. So I don't know if they'll actually go in that direction and move him now back to point guard. Um, you know, I like Darius Garland, too. If they can make that happen, I'd be for that. But, uh, but I think that's unlikely. You know, so uh, unless it's a star point guard... Or someone like Garland, who's you know young and has has a bunch of potential. There's no sense in bringing in someone like Rozier, who's going to take away shots from better offensive players. That's why I'd take you know a Ricky Rubio over Rozier if that's a choice they ultimately have in front of them. You know that that's assuming that Marcus Smart is going to stay stay at the shooting guard position because that's what they've done. I just don't know how much they they. Well, they are willing to move Smart back to point. Now, there have been some reports that that's what they're going to do. We'll ultimately see. But, you know, I, I do want someone who's going to set up Brown and Tatum for shots and put them in position to score. Don't get someone like Rozier who just wants to be a star and isn't. You know, one, one of the problems with this team last year was there were too many people who wanted to be the leading scorer. So, you know, they need more good players who are comfortable doing other things besides scoring. So I would personally, if it came down to this, I would take Rubio over Rozier for that reason. I'm just I'm I'm done with Rozier in Boston at this point. You know, if you look at his four years in the NBA, you know, people want to say, oh, last year it was just a down year. Look what he did the season before. Look how good he was. If you look at his four years in the NBA and look at his percentages, last year that or two years ago, whatever you want to call it, his his one good season was the anomaly. He has been the player he was last year for the you know majority of his career. Now, you know, it was a rookie season, it was a sophomore season to get a lot of playing time, but 
I mean, if you just look at the percentages, just or even the per 36 numbers, that's what he was. So I, I, I don't think Rozier is that good. I'm, I don't think they should go, go. You know, I don't think they should have him return to the team. And uh, you know, if he has luck somewhere else, you know, be, you know, best to him. But I, I just don't think it's a spot for here in Boston, especially after going on first take and ripping the team the way he did. I just I can't see him coming back after that. It's just I don't think the fans would like it, and I don't I don't think it's what's best for the team. So uh, that's what we're saying on that. As far let's go let's go into more Celtics news. Al Horford opted out today of his contract. You know, reports suggest that he is going to resign, and he's not a flight risk. I think that's you know safe to believe because his father and sister have both said recently how much he loves Boston, and that you know he's 100% resigning. What shocks me about this is how people are kind of completely missing the point of why he's opting out. You know, he he's opting out to lock up more long-term financial security, not to help the Celtics. And you know, Horford, he's 33. He wasn't an all-star last year. He's, he's headed towards the twilight of his career. This is probably going to be his last big contract. So he wants to opt out while he still has value to secure more total money. You know, the report is suggesting he's looking for three times 60. And the equation is whether or not that's more than he would have gotten had he played out this year and gone into fantasy next year for, you know, th- those following two years. So it's three and 60, you know, worth more than one times 30 and two times X, whatever he would have gotten. So I don't think it's necessarily a guarantee that three times 60 is more. However, you know, what if Horford got injured this year? What if he tore uh, his Achilles like DeMarcus Cousins? Is is he getting a, you know, big contract then? Of course not. So this isn't about helping the Celtics. It's about financial stability because, you know, you'd rather have the $60 million guaranteed than the 30 And I think that's the way Al's looking at it. You know, he's still a great team player and he's a great teammate. But all I'm saying is this is not what this move is about. And even though he's signing for less money, the Celtics don't have cap space because they're not going to have any more cap space. Between Al at 20, Gordon at 32, Baines at 5, Tatum at 7.8, Brown at 6.5, Smart at 12.5, Guershawn at 3, which is too much, uh, Robert Williams at 2, and, you know, Semi Ojale at, like, 1.5. They don't have any money to spend. That, that's all their cap room. So Al opting out and re-signing gives them no additional funds. You know, you, you, you can re-sign Al and Kyrie because you have bird rights on those players and you don't you can go over the cap for those players. You can't go over it for, you know, players you're bringing in from other teams. That's just, you know, that's not how the NBA works. So, you know, Al is doing this for himself, not the team. I, I know people want to spin it as another way in which he's a team player, but that's just not what this is. Yeah, and that's not to say he's not a great team player, that he wouldn't do uh, whatever he could to help the team build a, a contender. But, you know, this is for him. This is for his financial security, which makes a lot of sense at his age. Like you said, 33. We saw his three-point shot dip a little bit, which is kind of what makes him such a great big man in today's league, uh, his ability to shoot outside. And so, yeah, uh, it makes sense for him, and I'm happy for him that he's going to be getting the, uh, you know, the long-term security that he deserves. And I'm happy that he'll stay in Boston. And I think it says a lot about um, the team and the culture that Boston has built along with uh, it might shed a little light on uh, the whole Kyrie situation and you know whose fault it was who who's to blame uh, just the fact that Al is willing to come back even without Kyrie even without you know odds of you know high odds of uh, championship contention they'll probably be fighting for home court advantage in the playoffs at best and the fact that he wants to come back to that situation for the next three years and uh, supposedly loves Boston so much from everything that you hear I think it maybe sheds a little light uh, on, you know, whether Kyrie was the, to blame, whether he was causing the friction or whether it was the young guys. You know, the fact that a really stable veteran like Al Horford wants to come back to that situation uh, kind of tells me a little bit about who might be to blame. 
Yeah, I, I think a good way to put it would be it gives you it gives Celtics fans a little hope that they can say it was a Kyrie problem, it wasn't a team problem. And so that that's something you can hang on to. Um, do, do you think it's a guarantee that he's coming back? 100%, 100% guarantee because I was thinking about it today after this news broke, you know, he'd be a great fit with someone like Atlanta right now. And you know, if you could return there, let's just play this game. I mean, you know, we had our mock draft, of course, this uh, this past week, and uh, you took Cam Reddish, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, or whoever, Cam Reddish, John Collins, and Al Horford. I mean, you know, he could return to Atlanta and, you know, be that guy that, you know, returns home just like everybody else seems to be doing and, you know, groom those young guys. And that's that'd be a fun team to watch. That'd be a fun team to play with. He'd be a great fit there. You know, he'd be a great fit with Kawhi if Kawhi signs with the Clippers and he's, you know, and in free agency. So, I mean, he could take some meetings out if he wanted to. You know, he's a free agent. He's free to do whatever he wants. So now, as I said, I believe these reports just like you that he loves playing here and there's no reason not to believe those. But uh, there are some interesting combinations to think about with him across the league. And I I wonder if he's thinking about that at all, you know, especially with, you know, Kyrie leaving. If he says, you know, yeah, this is I love Boston and they're still in a pretty good situation. But, you know, I have some other options here. Yeah, the two teams that you just listed, I hadn't ever really thought of. You know, I've, I've heard him linked to Houston and all the speculation that, you know, Boston and Houston might be talking about trades. But it does make sense now that you say that about the Hawks, you know. Uh, reports came out today that they were they're considering trading their eight number eight pick and number 10 pick for the number four pick and in that case you know that tells me that they probably like somebody like DeAndre Hunter Jarrett Culver uh, or RJ Barrett there in which case you start to wonder you know how are they going to fill that center position and then Al Horford would obviously be a great fit for that Uh, as far as the Clippers go you know playing playing alongside a guy like Montrez Harrell you know they're kind of the perfect yin and yang Uh, those two. So I could see that too. That'd be a great fit. Um, But I would say that in my opinion, I think the only uh, scenario in which he leaves is a sign and trade to Houston or something like that. You know, I don't know how much weight to put into those reports about, you know, uh, Boston and Houston talking, but it does seem like, you know, a Capella Horford trade, something like that could potentially be, you know, something that would fit both teams trajectory. Maybe. All right. Well, well, let's shift to uh, what I'm going to say is probably the third biggest NBA news of the last decade behind only LeBron signing with Miami and Durant signing with Golden State. AD, of course, traded to the Lakers. I guess let's start with this. The question, you know, we ask after every NBA trade 10 seconds after it happens when the right answer is subject to change at any moment's notice in the future. Who won the trade? I would say it's one of those rare scenarios where both teams won, at least for now. So I think no matter what the Pelicans won, you know, they have uh, a short-term team that I think, honestly, you know, depending how they fill out their roster the rest of the offseason, they might be able to compete for like an eight seed. And depending on how good Zion is, uh, you know, the West is going to be stacked. But, you know, I think that they're not honestly that far off from a playoff team already. And then in the long term, they have control of L.A.'s draft picks. They have, you know, the, you know, the Zion and number four pick and all these guys that are going to be developing, even Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, who are kind of still unknown quantities. And so I think no matter what the Pelicans won that trade, you know, they got absolute max value for Anthony Davis. But the Lakers could still be winners. I think it all just depends on whether they get a title out of it and, you know, whether they make the most of LeBron's, you know, last few years on his deal, last few years uh, perhaps of his career. We'll see. But uh, as long as they get a ring out of it or at least, you know, a couple finals appearances or something, I think that they could be winners too. 
And, you know, obviously just in the short term, getting Anthony Davis ring or not, you know, uh, you're very rarely going to give up too much for a guy like Anthony Davis. So I would say right now both are winners, but the Lakers could be losers in the long term. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, you have so many people jumping on the Lakers in this trade saying, looking at how much they give up. And they gave up a lot. They gave up a whole hell of a lot. But they got the best player. They got Anthony Davis. And now they have cap space to sign other players. We'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, as LeBron and Anthony Davis together, they're the clear favorites for the title. I mean, they needed to make this trade now. You know, they got the superstar. They needed AD. They they couldn't wait for LeBron to turn 35 next year and just sign him free agency. You know, the door is open this year with KD and Clay injured. So, you know, I think the Lakers won 100%. And the Pelicans got an absolute haul back. You know, who knows where those Lakers picks are going to land. But to control any team's draft for the next, for six of the next seven years is absurd. It's, it's absurd. So that's just an absolute haul for New Orleans. And, you know, they can pretty much make any trades they want to make at this point. You know, they're now the team with the treasure trove of assets around the league. So I do say both teams won. I know, you know, kind of an unpopular uh, side to take. I know a lot of people want to, you know, bash the Lakers or defend the Lakers or whatever, but that's just how I see the deal. So uh, the next question for the Lakers is how they build their roster around AD and LeBron. And like you said, I mean, they need a title out of this to really become winners because if they don't get one and LeBron retires and then, you know, you turn into what the Pelicans were with AD, that's obviously going to be a problem. So, I mean, we're not we're not going to get into all the hoops they the Lakers have to jump through to sign a max player. You know, we just know that it is possible. It's difficult. They do have to wait until July 30th to make the AD trade to do it, but it's possible. So, with that said, what should the Lakers do? Uh, that's a tough question, you know. I think the popular answer is go out and get the biggest possible name that you can and form a big three like we've seen, you know, across the league. Uh, pretty much since, you know, the Celtics big three, the, uh, the Heat big three, you know, we've had these big threes over and over. So I think that's kind of the popular thing to do. Uh, but in my opinion, uh, you know, just watching this past finals between the Warriors and the Raptors, I mean, we saw a team like the Raptors, you know, they have Kawhi, but then they have a bunch of guys that were picked in the late, you know, 20s in the first round, picked in the second round, uh, just a bunch of solid depth. And, you know, we even saw guys like OG and Anobi didn't even really get playing time, you know, whether it was the injury at first or uh, just not needing to play him. They still had people that they could pull off the bench if they needed to that, you know, were very competent players. Meanwhile, we saw the Warriors with just, you know, some bad luck and it was really bad luck. But, you know, we saw, you know, there at the very start of the fourth quarter of game six, they started a lineup of Quinn Cook, Sean Livingston, Draymond Green at small forward, uh, Jonas Jerebko, and DeMarcus Cousins, which, you know, for a team like Golden State to be starting that lineup to go into the fourth quarter of an elimination game, backs against the wall, and that's who's out there. I mean, it says a lot about rosters that are very top-heavy, and I think all year we kind of didn't realize how vulnerable the Warriors were with that second unit. And I could see right now the Lakers going out and signing a guy like Jimmy Butler, whoever it is, Kemba Walker, and then, you know, guys 6 through 10 or 5 through 10 are just kind of mediocre. And all it takes is one injury for AD or one LeBron injury, and both guys are, you know, LeBron not usually very frail, AD pretty frail, but LeBron, you know, with his age and last year's groin injury and stuff, you know, all it takes is one injury, and they're right there like the Warriors were counting on a bunch of guys who you know, have no business being on the court in that crunch time in a finals game. You know, they they find themselves counting on those types of guys. And 
So I would say, you know, you, you focus on filling out the roster with solid role players and not, you know, get into star hungry like they tend to be. Yeah, I mean, if you can get another star like Jimmy Butler or Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving or whoever, it's hard to say no to that. But, you know, when you look at these LeBron-led super teams in the past, it's been, you know, LeBron and Wade are averaging 25 a game, and then, you know, Chris Bosh has to subjugate himself is only averaging like 19, or, you know, LeBron and Kyrie are averaging both 25 a game, and then, you know, Kevin Love has to average, you know, around 19 a game or something like that. I think Kuzma, I mean, Kuzma averaged about 19 a game last season. I think he's perfectly capable of being that third option, you know, like a Bosh or a Love uh, was for those other teams. And I think he's probably more suited and like you know, to be a guy who only averages 19. I mean, you know, those other guys, Bosch and Love, those were guys that could, you know, that, that could be stars elsewhere. And Kuzma's more of a guy that is is makes fits better as a third option. He doesn't. He's not a star. So I, I think. And also, I mean, his best trait is his scoring. So if they're not, if he's the, ends up being the fourth option, I don't know what you're getting out of Kuzma that makes him so valuable. Because at that point. You know, he's he can give you, sure, option as a, the fourth guy, but that's, I mean, that's not going to help you much when you have these other guys on the team that are, you know, uh, ahead of him, and he's not a great defender. He's not really a great rebounder at the four bodies, so I, I don't see him helping you much in that spot. So I do think that I, I kind of agree with you. You know, they need two starters in the backcourt. So if you're going to spend all this money on one, your your, your other position is going to be pretty weak, not to mention your bench, as you, as you pointed out. So, I mean... Two names that came to mind at point guard for me were, you know, someone you kind of just bashed, but I'll bring him up anyway. Quinn Cook, maybe, you know, you can get him for cheap. He's kind of, can be, you know, maybe a Mario Chalmers type if you want to look for someone in that mold for LeBron to play with. Someone who can be off the ball, just spot up shooting, doesn't, you know, isn't going to control the ball. You know, other guys out there like Rubio or, you know, one of these star players are going to be very ball centric. They need the ball in their hands to, to make plays and, you know, I think someone that can be just a spot-up shooter for LeBron fits better with him than those other guys. So I think that's something to look out for. Um, Pat Beverly is another guy that came to mind as a guy, you know, just plays defense on the outside. He's a pretty, he's a solid enough shooter. I think that would make a lot of sense for the Lakers to do. And at shooting guard, I mean, wouldn't J.J. Redick just be perfect with LeBron? I mean, you know, whether he wants to move his family again is another question. You know, he's been very public about his personal life, and, you know, he... I think, you know, he moved to, it was between Philly and Brooklyn. He used to live in L.A., though, so would they be comfortable moving back there? I mean, his kids are still very young, so, you know, we'll see if he, what he ultimately ends up deciding to do, but he 100% would be perfect with LeBron. So those are the moves I kind of look at and say that's probably what the Lakers should be looking to do. And then say if you do go, you know, Beverly and Redick or Beverly and Quinn Cook, you probably could still have a little bit of money to spend in, uh, on the bench and other places, so... I do think, yeah, you know, if you if they do, you know, they, they were reportedly holding Kuzma, like holding on to Kuzma for dear life. So if they like him that much, they should like him enough to be the third, you know, star in that on that team. You know, I guess if you want to call him that. So uh, I think they would be better off just like you said, filling up the roster with depth, getting good role players around those guys and, you know, making sure that you have players that fit rather than just trying to be star hungry and chase these other guys. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting, too, to see if any guys like the, the Rubios and the Pat Bevs and those guys, uh, if any of them are willing to just join on to the, you know, AD LeBron uh, super team, quote unquote, uh, to, you know, go go ring chasing and, uh, you know, have their best chance at contending for a title. Because, you know, I, I don't think, you know, guys like Pat Beverly are necessarily the type to chase rings, but I do think that there should be a couple of guys out there who see that 
duo of LeBron and AD and want to, you know, go join, why not live in LA and play for the Lakers and uh, chase rings? It sounds like a hell of a, a plan to me. Yeah, I mean, you know, ring chasing is, is tough to say. I think when you're a star player and you're joining up with other stars, I think that could be equated to ring chasing. When you're a very good player and you're signing on to be nothing but like a bench player or a bench warmer, that can be ring chasing. But when you're signing on to be a starter on that team and you're just kind of a, an above average NBA player, I don't know if you would, I, I don't know if that's necessarily on the level of some of the other ring chasing we've seen from guys like Kevin Durant or David West or whoever you want to say. I mean, because, you know, you are going to be a valuable member of that team and you, you could argue that you will be needed to win that championship. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think I would put that on the same level for some of these guys, but. Yeah, we will ultimately see what Pat Beverly does. I, I haven't heard his name linked there. You hear Chicago, you hear back with the Clippers, so we'll ultimately have to see. But yeah, I, th- I, I do think those could be good moves with the Lakers. But uh, last thing on AD, what are your final thoughts from a Celtics standpoint now that all of this is over? The saga between the Celtics and AD, it's been three years. We've heard him linked to the Celtics. Ultimately, it doesn't happen. He ends up with the Lakers, and they're left with what they're left with. So, I mean, what, what's your final thoughts on this whole journey that it's been with AD and the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, obviously that buildup over the last few years is kind of the the one thing that makes you disappointed to walk away from this without him. Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that you you don't get one of the top five, arguably, players in the world. But, you know, just all the buildup over the years and passing on guys like Kawhi to save our assets up for AD. Uh, you know, whatever you think about, you know, not making the move for Kawhi, making the move for Kawhi, you know, those type of guys like him and Paul George and that. Uh, it all sort of was a build up to AD, and so it does leave you a little disappointed not to uh, end up with him in the end. But I mean, Kyrie just seems like he's gone. I mean, I don't think there's any arguing that anymore. And I would love to have a Kyrie AD pairing, but you know, it, it's not as appealing without him on the roster, obviously. And giving up the whole farm for a year of AD when Rich Paul's out there screaming out that he's not going to uh, want to play for Boston, he's not going to stay in Boston, and now. Even since then, we've kind of heard reports that I don't know how much truth there is to it, but apparently he never wanted to play a single game for Boston, even if he did get traded there. So, you know, at the end of the day, it does suck to have to uh, move on from that fantasy. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. It's just you can't control what other people want to do. You know, we all wanted AD. We all wanted him to come here. And we, you know, this was speaking a couple of years ago before all this Rich Paul stuff. But we thought... Yeah, Kyrie and AD was the plan, and it was plan A, and that was how you were going to build your championship team, and, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way because that's just not what AD wanted, and you kind of just forget the human element sometimes to these things, and, you know, ultimately, it ends up with, you know, he wants to be a Laker, so he gets to be a Laker, and that's just, you, you can't control those things, so it's tough, but... The, the Celtics aren't left out to dry, you know, they, they still have Tatum, they still have Brown, those are good young players to build around, but... It's going to be a while before those guys are top tier NBA players who can compete for a championship. I mean, you're you know you're looking at Tatum's going to have to make a huge jump. Brown's going to have to make a huge jump. They're both going to have to become all stars if you have any chance at really competing for a title. So, uh, you know, those are things you're going to have to just wait for. And the Celtics, if they you know do choose to go young, if they do choose to use the draft picks to trade up and try to take another point guard, you know that that'll be great. But it's it's going to be a while now. And we thought, hey, we're going to be you know competing for titles for the next 10 years well you know in five years we might really be back to competing to titles maybe maybe a little less but I mean yeah that's just what the situation is and you know you have to deal with it and you have to assess it and I'm sure the Celtics will and they're very good at you know making moves and 
you know, managing their team. So I'm sure Danny Ainge will be able to build a team around Brown and Tatum that can succeed for years to come uh, with a little bit of time. So, I mean, that's just the situation they're in. Uh, overall, I am kind of sad they didn't get AD. I thought it would have been a great fit. I thought he had so many similarities with Kevin Garnett uh, as far as just, you know, a player and how he, he plays the game basketball. But, uh, you know, it, if, like I said, the human element, if he didn't want to come here, then it just wasn't going to happen. Uh, so do you agree with the Lakers being title favorites? Because obviously they've already come up with the early odds. And, you know, the Lakers are the number one team on that list to, to, to win the NBA title. So do you, do you agree with them being at the top right now? Man, I, I don't want to say yes because, you know, I don't want to I don't want to support the Lakers. Obviously, I don't want to see Lakers fans happy. They've been gloating all week. And that was also part of the reason that I kind of wanted the AD trade to go through for the Celtics, even if Kyrie wasn't there. You know, I couldn't stand to see Lakers fans win in the end after months of talking about Celtics or Lakers and, you know, which team he was going to end up with. But uh, I'm going to wait to say or to see how the roster gets constructed. You know, I think if they do go all in on a third star, uh, you know, Vegas might increase their odds at winning the championship because of that. But in my eyes, uh, if they go out and get a third star and their, you know, starting lineup has two guys in it that are kind of below average type players or, you know, guys that wouldn't typically be starting, uh, on other teams or if their bench is, you know, really weak because of uh, spending all their money on the top of their roster, then then I think that actually hurts them in the end. You know, after watching, like I said, the Warriors versus the Raptors, I kind of like how the Raptors built their team with just solid depth all the way through like the 10th man. And so I'm going to say right now that the Lakers are not my title favorite. Uh, I would also say that you don't know what's going to happen with the Warriors. You don't know how long it's going to take for Clay and KD to recover if they do get re-signed there, uh, if, if KD opts in or signs the five-year max. So I want to see what happens with the Warriors, too. I want to figure out the timetable uh, of those guys coming back because I could just see them both coming back or even just Clay coming back uh, by playoff time. And all of a sudden, the Warriors you know, come out of nowhere as... It's like, you know, why would you bet against the Warriors if they come back fully healthy in time for the playoffs? So I'll wait and see what happens with the Lakers roster, see what happens across the league, Uh, you know, whether Kawhi stays in Toronto. There's a bunch of questions still to be answered with free agency and stuff. So I'll wait to make an answer on that. All right, let's talk a little bit about the NBA draft, which is, of course, happening on Thursday. Uh, You and me, as along with uh, Guy Boston Sports writer Cam Caldwell, we did a Guy Boston Sports mock draft uh, just the other day which people should go on GuyBossSports.com and check out uh, ahead of that draft because we did all 30 picks. We did player comparisons and pick analysis and all that kind of stuff, so people should go check that out. Um, But as it relates to the Celtics, they have three picks in the first round of this year's draft. I know uh, you did two of them in this version of the mock draft. I think you you took Tyler Hero and was it... It's Boga... I don't know how to pronounce it. Do you know how to pronounce it? The center from the Brooklyn Georgia. I have no clue how to pronounce it, but I'm going to give it a shot. Goga Bidatse? Yeah, Goga Bidatse, (laughs) I I guess is what we're going with, at 20. And then P.J. Washington. I made the other pick of P.J. Washington at 22. So that was kind of what we went with there for the Celtics. The three first-round picks is a lot to make, a lot to add to the roster, even if you are going young. That is that is a, a very young. So what do you think the Celtics should end up doing with their first-round picks? I know you have some interest in training up for Garland, but overall, what, what should their plan be? Well, you know, we keep hearing these reports that they're not going to bring in three rookies onto the team next year. They're not going to use all their picks, and I don't know how much of that is 
you know, smoke in the wind. I don't know how, you know, how seriously to take this type of stuff because uh, typically with Danny Ainge, you know, everything he does, you don't hear about beforehand. So we'll see what they do, uh, whether they keep them or not. If they do end up keeping them, I love this, uh, the picks that we made in our mock draft. I love Tyler Harrow. Uh, I love taking a risk on a European center like Goga, who, you know, if he falls all the way to 20 or 22, you know, it's not as big of a risk as taking him, you know, at 14 or something like that. Uh, so I, I, I have kind of gotten excited about the draft and I've kind of attached myself to some names that I like and some guys that I like, which, you know, in the end, it might all be worthless. But uh, I do think that they're going to pick at least one guy. I don't know, you know, which pick they'll end up keeping. Um, but I also think that there's a high chance that they'll trade you know, some combination of, you know, two of this or one of this year's picks and the Memphis pick or two of this year's picks, you know, some combination of picks I could see getting traded for uh, just win now type of players, you know, whether it's, you know, Eric Gordon or or somebody like him. Uh, I, I could see something like that happening. That could be interesting. Some upgrades there are certainly possible. Maybe Mike Connolly, if you attach someone's contract to that, I, yeah, it would it would be interesting. I didn't hadn't thought of the possibility of them using these picks to bring in some veteran players. So that that could be a route they go. What I would do is I think they should try to trade these picks off for for future years first round picks. And I mean that's going to be difficult with middle round picks. I mean teams probably don't have a huge appetite to trade future picks for for this year's, but. You know, maybe I, I would even go as far as to say if you could package 20 and 22 together for some unprotected future pick from a team, I, I would even do that two for uh, two for one in that scenario, because I do think it's important to, you know, just take as many swings as possible. And if you don't like anyone in that range, you know, trade them off and you don't really you just, you know, like we said, the 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 possibility of something bigger down the road is always going to intrigue a team more than the what it actually ends up being. So, I mean, that is something that I would definitely uh, consider doing if I was the Celtics and, you know, ho- ho- just hope that that pick that whatever pick you get ends up being higher in the future. So, I mean, that's what I would look to do because I don't think you can bring three rookies onto this roster next season, at least not if you're expected to make a playoff run. Because as, as we said, I mean, you have Robert Williams, Guershon Yabuselli. You had three more rookies to that, and it's hard to find roster spots for veteran guys or any other players that you want on your roster to help you win now. So uh, it, it, that would be tough to do. So I, I, a lot of this will decide, dictate what route the Celtics are really going to take next season. Do they want to go completely young and build up young players and you know just worry about the future or do they still want to compete now for you know at least you know playoff rounds and see how see how far they can go in the postseason so that's going to be important as far as Darius Garland the report did come out today the Celtics are looking to trade up for to the fourth pick it would be pretty tough because they're competing with Atlanta who has 8 10 and 17 and the Celtics of course have 14 20 22 so they're they're not in a good position compared to what Atlanta is um, they, they do have that Memphis pick, which I, you know, it is an, you know, unknown asset. Who knows what's going on with that? But it, it, it does have some value. So whether or not that's enough for them to leapfrog whatever the Hawks offer is, I don't know. But what do you make of the Darius Garland news? And how aggressively do you think they're going to have to be to, to beat Atlanta's offer for that fourth pick? Who, by the way, Atlanta would be trading up for, as you kind of alluded to before, Culver or, you know, uh, someone like DeAndre Hunter or something like that. They're not chasing the same player you are, but they're chasing the same pick. So, it, you know, that's the team you're competing with. 
Yeah, I, I love the idea of them trading up. You know, I always have, and I, I kind of didn't think it was a strong possibility of happening. And then when I saw the Celtics listed in that tweet today, I, you know, my mouth started watering. I got really excited. I really never thought that uh, they would be bold enough to try and trade up. Or, uh, you know, up until, you know, a week or two ago, I never really thought that, you know, Garland would be somebody that they would be in play for. But uh, seeing that news got me really excited. Um, I was listening to NBA radio today and Tim Legler was on talking about Garland. He said that he had Garland uh, at one of his camps, I guess. I guess it was a year or two back. And he said that he was one of the best ball screen guys he's ever seen, one of the best uh, ball screen guards uh, he'd ever seen. And, you know, he was talking about his, his explosiveness, his deep range, his handle. And they were even mentioning guys like Kyrie as a uh, like super ceiling comparison. So, you know, it, it does get me really excited to see the Celtics involved in there. If I were them, I would take a swing. Uh, even if you have to kind of empty the picks chest, you know, I, I think at this point, Danny's got to stop playing the waiting game when he sees somebody he likes and he's got to just pull the trigger and go grab them. You know, like you said, you don't know what that Memphis pick is going to be and you don't want to wait uh, a year or two to find out what it's going to be and then have, you know, nobody that kind of stands out as somebody that you really want to choose with it. So, you know, I would say that while you do have a target uh, that kind of fits a need right now and that's really enticing to go get, uh, I would say take a swing and, you know, a empty the picks chest if you have to. Yeah, you know, we heard the same thing last year in relation to Luka Doncic with the Celtics. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of crazy reports around draft time and it's hard to know what to believe. But, Garland certainly fits kind of the direction the franchise is going, which is, you know, young players and surrounding Tatum and Brown with talent. And, you know, if Tatum and Brown are your two stars and you're looking for a third, Garland could be that guy. So uh, it, it would be a tough trade to make. I don't even know if the Memphis pick gets you there with the Hawks offer, depending on what they are willing to give up, which sounds like 8 and 10. Are they willing to throw 17 in there as well? If the Celtics offer beats I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, you look at last year, uh, you know, were the Celtics willing to give up that Sacramento pick at the time? And if they weren't, you know, that's a prior regret they have that they didn't, you know, try to trade them more aggressively and, you know, get Luca or whoever, you know, maybe you could have run lineups with Luca at the one and Brown at the two and Tatum at the three or what have you. So, I mean, yeah, that, that, that could be something the Celtics ultimately look back on and, and wish they had done. But, yeah, and maybe that shapes how they try to maneuver this draft and go up for Garland. So we'll see. Garland's still... Relatively unknown. You know, he was injured last year uh, for all but, you know, five games. And one of those games, he only played two minutes because, you know, he exited with the injury. So, you know, he, he is, he by all accounts, for, throughout this draft process, his stock has skyrocketed and people love him. But we didn't get to see much from college basketball. So, you know, it's interesting because on the one hand, we look at Garland, who was injured last year, and his stock has completely risen. And, you know, people love him. And they're talking about possibly going third to the Knicks. On the other hand, there's Bull Bull, who has immense talent that we did see in college basketball last year, and no one wants to touch him because he was injured last year, and he has these you know, injury issues that people want to talk about. So it's interesting how those two are being evaluated so differently when they had similar, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say similar injuries, but they had similar, you know, they, they both their seasons were ended with injury. And, you know, Garland's injury was a knee injury, which are, of course, very, or should be very concerning. It was a meniscus injury to his knee that he had to have surgery on, so... I mean, that's something that should concern teams. It seems like more than it is, but, you know, ultimately we'll see what happens with all of these players. 
uh, as we head towards the NBA draft. But that's going to do it, Max. Thanks for coming on and talking Celtics with us. No problem. And I just want to throw in there real quick a little jab at the Lakers. I I think it's pretty funny that uh, when they had the four pick, everyone was talking about the draft as, you know, it's a a two-player draft, it's a three-player draft. That four pick is so meaningless. And then the second that the Pelicans get it, it's like, uh, oh, multiple teams are trying to trade up to get this pick. Uh, it has so much more value. You know, the Pelicans are in talks for Bradley Beal. You know, all these rumors around the number four pick. And it's just kind of funny how when the Lakers had it, it everyone kind of viewed it as uh, a lot less value than they do now, which, you know, is just funny to me. Yeah, but, that, you know, that also happens as you get close to the draft. Teams fall in love with certain players, and now they want to trade up, and, you know, certain players maybe get a little overvalued. So, it is a Lakers thing, but it's also a draft thing. Uh, so it's a little bit of both. But uh, thank you, Max, for coming on. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow Max on Twitter at L-I-S-S-M-X-14. You can follow me on Twitter at KJDLGBS. Follow the pod on Twitter at Apple Get Smart Pod. Target everything over at Guy Boston Sports, including the mock draft. Guys, like I said, player comparisons, analysis of the picks. We went all out for the first round, and it's going to be the final mock draft. If some trade happens... Or, you know, with the Pelicans or anyone else, we'll edit it. We'll try to edit it a little bit and see what we can, you know, maneuver around with it. I'll talk to the guys about it. We'll see it. We'll see how quickly we can, uh, you know, reshape it based on what happens. But uh, but we you should check that out because we did put a lot of work into that. It took a while. It was, I think it was like 10 pages by the time we finished it. So uh, definitely some good stuff there. And there's a bunch of other good stuff, good articles that have come out on Guy Boston Sports. I do, I should shout out here at the end. I don't know when this podcast is going up. I might have it up before 6.30 on Tuesday. If I do, you guys should go check out Evan's live stream. Evan Singleton, of course, comes on the podcast very often. He's going to come on next week, it sounded like, after the NBA draft to discuss a little bit of that. But he is starting up a live stream show that's going to go live every Tuesday at 6.30. So be sure to check that out on Twitter. He did the Celtics postgame live streams. People loved them, so he's coming back with an Evan Lee show, which... I came up with the name with some will brag, you know, a little bit, but uh, but you guys should check that out. Even if you are listening to this after Tuesday at 6:30, it is going to be in podcast form. He has a Twitter for it. Just go over to his Twitter at Boston. He's retweeted a lot of stuff. I think you know from F- the Ev Unleashed account, so you can go find it through there. And yeah, you should you any like I said, even if it is after 6:30, you can go back listen to the podcast that he posts, or I'm sure you know it'll be on it'll still be on Twitter live stream. Well, it'll totally be up on Twitter that you can watch there as well. So be sure to check that out because I know he's excited about launching that. And uh, he's doing a giveaway tonight. So again, if I get this up before 6.30 on Tuesday, I don't know if I will. It's like almost 4 o'clock right now. Uh, so I'm fingers crossed. But if you are listening to this early enough, be sure to go check that out. If you're not, there's always next week. So uh, you should be sure to check that. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week.